Welcome again, friends. Welcome to episode 152. Welcome, Lou. How are we doing today? Good, good. We are now at uh, episode 152. We're doing chapter 14. Today we're going to do verses 19, 20, and 21. And just a few more verses after that, and then we'll be at the end of uh, chapter 14. Um, so, so you know the thread that we're talking about. So verse 19 says, when the seer, the one who sees, the Atman within, when the seer perceives no agent other than the gunas or qualities within a person and knows the higher, that's the Atman, Brahman, beyond the gunas, he then attains my being. My being meaning he becomes self-realized. He's saying when the seer recognizes that there's no agent other than the gunas and no agent doing anything, performing any action, any qualities, all come from the gunas. When the seer recognizes this, when the kshitragnya recognizes this and knows the higher beyond the gunas, it means get rid of the rajas, get rid of tamas, get rid of sattva, then goes towards beyond, transcends that, then he attains Brahman or attains my being. So this is nine verses, 19 through 27. And that's the end of chapter 14. He, Krishna shows how a seeker like you becomes Brahman and how he or she conducts himself or herself thereafter in this world. And that's what Krishna, uh, Arjuna will ask as a question in verse 21. Right now we're doing verse 19. So what we talked about last time and he's saying again here is that in order to get to become self-realized, you have to first get rid of your rajas, get rid of your tamas, get to sattva, then get beyond sattva as we talked last time and become one with Brahman. Then during that period of time, when you get rid of your rajas and tamas, and you can practice this right now, every day, all gunas express as Brahman. In other words, Brahman as in and of itself, pure consciousness, pure consciousness before it touches your intellect or your mind or your body, Brahman has no qualities. Keep that in mind. That is considered Purusha. Brahman has no qualities before it touches your mind or your intellect. Then when it touches your body, depending on what kind of a body you have, he has, she has, the actions performed by the body look to you like Brahman is performing it. But it's actually your body that's performing it. Bra Brahman is only enlivening that body. Mm -hmm. When the Brahman enters into a terrorist mind and a terrorist intellect, the emotions that come from the terrorist and the thoughts that come from the terrorist intellect are particularly unique to that terrorist. Their thoughts about doing whatever fanatic things he wants to do, Brahman is only enlivening it. It's like right. electricity going into a bomb. The same Brahman goes into a saint's body He's peaceful, sitting, meditating. Same Brahman goes into the saint's mind and intellect. 
nothing but love as an emotion is coming out from that saint's mind. Nothing but thoughts of serving others is coming out from that saint's intellect. Same Brahman, mm -hmm. different mind, different intellect. Same gasoline, different car, powerful car, weak car. Same electricity, big thick filament, bright light, thin filament, dim light. So you get the point that gunas, the gunas of a person's body, mind, and intellect express as if they were Brahman. What you have to do, friends, is recognize that whatever you see around you is all gunas. This takes some practice, but when you recognize that Brahma, Brahman has nothing to do with all of these different qualities, then you are getting somewhere. So look at your surroundings. Lou and I right now live in New England, which is northern part, northern and eastern part of United States of America. One of the qualities of New England is that it's beautiful in the summer, as you can see right now. It's gorgeous. It's green. It's flowers. Its temperatures are beautiful. But the, the guna of New England, right, Lou? <laughs> you know what I'm going to say here. Yes. Is the terrible winters we have. It's cold, it's snowing, it's freezing. But that's the guna of New England. You want to stay in New England, you appreciate that this is the guna. You can't change it. If you don't like it, move to the Caribbean. But if you can't <laughs> move to the Caribbean, right, you stay right. in the Caribbean, you're going to go there. The guna is heat in the summer. You're going to say, oh, my goodness, it's 110. I was better off in Boston, <laughs> right? So you know whatever it is, the gunas of your surroundings, start to understand that it's not Brahman that's causing that. It's not consciousness. It's not life. It's not the power of life. It is the gunas of where you are. Mm -hmm. All of your surroundings, you have to see that they have these gunas. Assess the gunas of human beings. You have a boss. He's bad-tempered. That's his guna. You're not going to be able to try and change it. You might be able to manipulate it a little bit here and there. You say, okay, I know what he likes. I know what he doesn't like. Yes, but that's his guna. If you know that the guna of a vicious animal is to bite you and eat you or scratch you, what do you do? You don't try to change the animal. You just try and stay away from him. You say, okay, I'm not going anywhere near that animal. If he's in a zoo, you say, listen, stay far away from the cage. <laughs> don't put your hand inside the cage. You don't try to change the animal, do you? No. Similarly, don't try and change the gunas of a human being, even if you're married to that person. You know, this is his qualities. By being a certain way, you can produce change. You can be a certain way and other people by looking at you may change. But by telling them, talking to them, that's what we get frustrated about. We just try and keep changing people by talking to them. Assess the gunas of the whole world, everything around you. Recognize that Brahman is electricity going to a filament. That filament could be thick and cause bright light or it could be thin and cause dim light. Don't then say oh, God did this. God didn't do anything. Not good, not bad. It's the gunas that did it. Your present gunas, my friend, your present gunas, you, are a result of your past actions. Recognize that. Yeah. Whatever you are today is because of your past actions. Your present gunas are a result of your past actions. 
and your present actions will determine your future gunas, obviously, right? Your right. present gunas are a result of your past actions. Your present actions will determine your future gunas. So you identify with your wife. You say, listen, whatever it is, it's okay. She drinks from a glass. Anybody else offers you a glass and you say, here, drink, for it. take a sip of this. You'd say, nah, you already put your mouth to it. No, thank you. I don't want it. But if your wife has it or your child, listen, even your child's saliva can yeah. drool on your mouth and you say, that's okay. It's all right. It's just my child. <laughs> he pees on you and you say, oh, this is my child. It's okay. You change his diaper. It's fine. Why? Because you see yourself. You see yourself in your spouse. You see yourself in your child, your grandchild. Why don't you see that in other children, in other human beings? A saint, a self-realized person, a sattvic person sees himself, herself in everybody else. He feels towards everybody, not just human beings, but also animals, birds, insects, all living beings, all non-living beings. He sees himself in that. So he feels the same way towards everything, the way you feel towards your most favorite person in this world. So... Ah, sorry. Lou, you have anything to say? I, I, I'm a little this short is a, of breath. This is an interesting point because what it requires from people is to take responsibility for the spirituality because so many times they want to put it on God. They want to put it on things outside of their control when they have to realize they have much more control than they realize. In fact, they have almost total control. Absolutely. You're right. And this is something that we keep going to God, to temples, to churches and say, please, God, please do this for me. Right. And it has nothing to do with God, it has to do with your gunas, has to do with your karmas, has to do with your past actions. You get what you deserve, not what you'd go and beg for in a temple. Um, so we were and talking that terrorist that terrorist action you started with the example of the terrorist the terrorist action comes from him his person his guna his personality it doesn't come from it doesn't come from god and for us westerners this is always a confusing thing because uh when they teach us about god they teach about god being kind and everything but people have free wills and it's always confusing well what's god responsible for and not responsible for you're responsible for everything. God is not responsible. Brahma does not act. Your gunas act. Yes, absolutely. So let's take another example uh, so it makes it clearer. We, we talked about the electricity and, and to lose point. Those of you who know science, if you look up in the sky, right, you imagine, you not imagine, you look up in the sky, it's pitch dark. You're out in the countryside in Vermont somewhere where there's no electricity, no houses, nothing. And you're looking up. It's a beautiful moonlit sky, big, bright blue, sorry, round moon and some stars around. And there's no sun. You don't see it, right? You look up at the sun, you look up at the moon and you see it's brightly lit. Those of us who know science know that that moon has no light in it. Right. What is that light that's coming from the moon? It is the light of the sun, the sunlight that is reflecting off the moon and looking so bright. Now, where's the sun? You don't see it because you're facing away from the sun. The sun is somewhere else. Sun is shining its sunlight, which is bouncing off the moon and coming to your eyes. Right. You know that that sunlight 
when it makes, if you draw a line from the moon to the sun, you know that that's the line that that sunlight has traveled to hit the moon to become light. But because there's no air in that space between the moon and the sun, that light is not shining. Otherwise, you'd see bright sunlight all along during the course of that light from the sun to the moon. Am I making myself clear? I hope I Yes. Am. Yeah. But the light has traversed from the sun to the moon. It only becomes light when it hits the moon. Now, and then it comes to you and you say, that's moonlight. That's not moonlight. That's still sunlight. Mm -hmm. It's just showing as if it is moonlight. Right. Purusha, we talked about consciousness hitting Prakriti, consciousness hitting matter, and then combining with matter, you become a human being or a mosquito or an elephant. Any being is a combination of consciousness, life, and matter. The moonlight is a conscious combination of the sunlight hitting the moon and reflecting off it and becomes one. So we have to recognize that Purusha and Prakriti become one. Purusha, consciousness, God, has no qualities. It is the matter, the Prakriti, that has the gunas. And when that Prakriti is hit by the consciousness, that Prakriti starts to show its gunas and starts to live and move and talk and have a certain way of thinking and emotions and actions and so on. Without that Purusha, without that consciousness, the matter is dead and drops mm -hmm. as, as a corpse. What you have to do is to recognize that you are that Purusha. Not just if you were the light hitting the moon, and I say to you, you're not really that moonlight, man. You say, oh, I'm the moon? No, you're not the moon. Oh, I'm the sunlight that traversed from the sun to the moon? Yes, but you are really the sun. You are the sun. You may appear like the light traversing from the sun to the moon. You may appear as if you bounce off the moon and appear like moonlight. You may therefore think you're moonlight, but you're really the sun. So you are not just Prakriti. You are, you're not Prakriti. You're Purusha. You're not just Purusha. You're really Brahman. Right. So we, in the last episode, we talked about Bhagwan Raman Maharshi who lay down and thought of himself and he pretended he was dead because he was phobic of death. And he then said, get rid of these thoughts. Then he became one with his thoughts. Then he got rid of his uh, feeling of I, I, I. Then he got rid of that and he became a Purusha. And then he got rid of Purusha and became Brahman. And then he explained all of these things to us. And we were talking about last time, getting to the steps of getting past Rajas, getting past Tamas and getting to Sattva. So that's where we are with this verse 19. Some people think of verse 19, this one that we're doing now, as a very, very important verse because you first identify with Purusha and Purusha sees the Prakriti as separate from itself. Then Purusha sees itself as separate from anything else. Then Purusha sees itself as Brahman. When I am able to see that the activities being done are without my doing it, it's a very important step for me in my development. So imagine that you're going to, um, um, in Disney World, we went there and there was this <laughs> big theater, right? Lou, yep. I don't know when was the last time you or I went to Disney World. But they have these rides 
that yep. are really just simulations. When you're in that simulation, you actually believe that you're you're riding a roller coaster, for instance, even though you're right. not riding the roller coaster. Because you're seeing something, you identify with that and you actually believe you're there. There's many examples of that. You go on a 3D uh, IMAX uh, and you look all around you and you actually feel yourself as if you're in space or jumping off a, of a parachute or something like that. Similarly, you identify with your senses. Those senses are pure prakriti. They are pure matter. They're right. your body. They're not you. Don't identify with those senses. That's not you. Your consciousness, your pure consciousness. Try to get away from identifying with your senses. Just like if you go to Disney World or IMAX, you move away from that. Say, no, this is not me. In fact, if you can do this, this helps. This is what Bhagwan Maharshi, Raman Maharshi did. He laid down and he said, let me concentrate. Try this at home. Close your eyes and just breathe. Breathe and focus on your breathing. As you breathe in and you breathe out. Breathe in and you breathe out. Focus on that breathing. And you recognize that is something different from you, the I. And you say, I am not breathing. Focus on your heart as it's beating. Say, I'm not beating that heart. Something else is beating it. Right. That prana is beating it. When you start to recognize that, if you do, my friend, you will recognize that you're starting to move away from that prakriti, from that matter. You are now starting to see that that heartbeat, that breathing that you recognize. If I told you focus on your metabolism, you couldn't do it because <laughs> that's hard. But you right. can focus on your heartbeat. You can focus on your breathing. And there will be thoughts that will go to your mind and desires that will bring up other thoughts. That's where practice comes in. That's where reduction of desires comes in. You can then start to focus more on the purusha and less on the prakriti. So once you start thinking about the fact that you're observing the heartbeat or you're observing your breath, you begin to wonder who you actually are, who is observing here. That's, that's the right. key step, right? That's the observe right. the observer position and understanding yes, so that. That's good. What you said is perfect because now you've gone at least to the point where you say, I am Purusha. Now the next step is to get past the I, get rid of the I-ness and see that you're Purusha without the I part of it. So verse 20, um, having crossed over these three gunas, the dweller in the body, the Kshitragnya, the entity that lives within the body, the force, the Atman, is completely freed if he crosses over the three gunas from birth, death, old age, and pain arising from the body. And that dweller attains immortality. So you are the Atman. You are the Atman plus the body, mind, and the intellect. And that in Sanskrit is called Jiva Atma, Jivatma. Jiva is a living entity and Atma is Atman. So Atma plus the living entity is Jivatma. You are Purusha plus Prakriti. You are matter plus consciousness. You are Kshetragna plus Kshetra, which is the field, the knower of the field and the field. You can choose to identify with the body, mind, and the intellect, or you can choose to identify with the Prakriti, the Kshetra, or you can choose to identify with the Purusha, the consciousness, the Atman. If you do 
the former, which is identify with the prakriti, the body, mind, intellect, then you suffer from the consequences of birth, death, old age, pain, etc. The mental pain of unfulfilled desires, the pain of unfulfilled desires. The minute you are born, probably even before you're born, you have unfulfilled desires. And recognize this because the minute you're born, you're crying for oxygen, air, the pain that you suffered, mother's milk, comfort, cold, warmth, etc. So in this verse, one verse word that he talks about, about immortality in Sanskrit, he calls it amrityam, a mrityam. Mrit is the same root of mort. Mort is the root or suffix of mortal. Mort means death. Mm -hmm. Mritya in Sanskrit means death. Amrityam means non-death. Person never dies. That's where the word America comes from. Amar. Mar is death in Sanskrit. Amar means always alive, never dying. A, a, whenever you put an A in the front, it means not. Right. Not death. America means no death. Um, because in America, there's a long story. We'll talk about it some other time. <laughs> <laughs> so the body is formed by the three gunas. And we talked about Bhagwan Maharshi. Now, very quickly, verse 21, essentially, so far, Krishna has been talking. In verse 29, Arjuna talks. Arjuna asks, what marks has he who has crossed over those three gunas, O Lord? What marks does he have? What does he look like? What is his conduct? How does he go beyond these three gunas, is his question, Arjuna. And we will answer those questions, not we, or Krishna answers those questions in the next few verses, which is the end of chapter 14. But Arjuna is keen to learn. He's heard all this from Krishna in chapter 14 now. In the following verses, Lord Krishna answers his question. Mark means, he is asking, what are the marks? or indications of a person who has gone beyond the three gunas. What is his conduct? How does he go beyond these gunas, beyond these three gunas? So what is the state of self-realization is what Arjuna is asking. What is it? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. How does he conduct himself externally in the like? I mean, we all have these questions. What does a self-realized person look like? When you go to India, you see a lot of sadhus. Sadhus is a person who's like a, a monk, dressed in orange clothes. He's got ashes all over him. His hair is matted. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look like he's had a shower or a bath. He looks peaceful and smiling and happy and not asking you for anything, doesn't need anything. But there's a lot of fakes there. A lot of people just dress like that asking for money. So the question is, how does he conduct himself externally? What does he look like? How does he behave? How does one get there? And in verse 22 onwards, Lord Krishna gives the answer. And we can see that next time. So I hope you enjoyed this, friends. I would love to hear from you. Please write me emails. The email address is Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist at gmail.com. Gita, G I T A, Memoirs, M E M O I R S of a Psychiatrist at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I promise you I will reply. Lou, any comments before we stop? Yes, I, I was trying to, is there a way to parse the, compare and contrast the gunas with emotion? Because it sounds like the gunas, to use to use a, um, 
a modern analogy is kind of the software of our mind. We've been talking about not accepting our mind as the universe and our reality that we go beyond that. It seems like the gunas uh, are determined how the mind works, what our emotions are, what our de desires are, how we react to situations. So compare and contrast gunas with emotions a little bit. Okay. So emotions come from the mind. Mind is the factory that makes emotions. Gunas determines what kind of emotions you will have. Yeah. Those gunas are determined by your previous actions that cause your desires and vasanas. That results in it. So they're actually different, but it, the flavor of those emotions are determined by your gunas, which are determined by your previous actions and karma. Those gunas, when they go into the intellect, determine the quality of your thoughts and your thought pattern. Those gunas, when they go into your body, determine um, the quality of your actions. For instance, and this might make it easier for you to understand. If a guy is very muscular, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And he acts a certain way. The gunas make him, let's say, very active and he acts very strongly. But let's say he's tamasic and he becomes tamasic. Even though he has a muscular body, he tends to, he just lays down and he's lazy and pretty, pretty soon that muscular body turns to fat and slovenliness. Right. Now, the body is not doing that. The body is made that way because of the gunas. The gunas of either his rajas or tamas. If he's rajasic, he's going to use it to do more activity that is rajasic activity and his muscular body will come into effect. But if he's tamasic, his body will be, give up that muscle and turn to fat. If he's sattvic, he will become more at equilibrium. He'll become very peaceful and his body may or may not have those muscles because sattvic person can be muscular because of all the work that he's doing. Similarly, when a gunas are acting through the mind, the emotions that will come out will be determined by the qualities of the gunas. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And it seems like the gunas, uh, we've been talking about um, working through uh, gross to subtle uh, factors. And it seems like tamas is a very gross guna and uh, sattvic is very subtle. So we're trying to climb the ladder, right? And we're trying yeah. to... Yeah. Yeah. Tamas so is at the lowest level, right. sattva is at the highest level. But we're trying to what? We're trying to climb the ladder and we're trying to get up. And then once we reach the top, we hopefully it becomes easier to see past the gunas into the next level, which is what we're trying to achieve. Right. We're trying to get beyond even sattva to self-realization. And to get from tamas to sattva, you have to first get rid of tamas, become rajasic. Get rid of rajas, become sattvic, get rid of sattva and go to self-realization. Yes. It's like we live in these gunas and what we need to do is rise above them a little bit to get perspective. Correct. But, you know, it's that is going to be probably impossible for most <laughs> of us in this lifetime. But if we can get towards sattva, even if we don't become 100% sattvic, I promise you, friends, if you just get rid of a little bit of your tamas, get rid of a little bit of your, get rid of a little bit of your rajas, you will feel 100% better. You will function better. You'll feel better. You'll feel happier. The characteristic of sattva is happiness and knowledge. One of the verses he said, sattva is bound to happiness and uh, knowledge, but he's still bound. 
You want to be unbound. You want to be free. But better to be bound to happiness and knowledge than anything else. If you're watching us on Facebook or you're watching us on YouTube, those are the video versions. There are audio-only versions on most podcast outlets, including Facebook, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify is the big one for us. Most of our fans are on Spotify, but you can find us wherever you shop for your podcasts, and we hope you follow along. And by the way, you know, write us and write us on Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye.